Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the flashy tropical birds disturbing the peace of Mangum Reeds. We are three muggles who deserve a beach vacation with Dumbledore. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? If there ever was a more true statement you've offered, Sarah, I don't think I can I can think of it. Beach vacation that we need with a Dumbledore. Beach vacation is... with Dumbledore, or that that we are the yes. disturbingly loud and and colorful. Why not both? We're the disturbingly loud and colorful birds that are on a beach vacation with Dumbledore. How about that? <laughs> we are vacation fox, is what we're doing here. Yes. So, so the question that I have is, do you think in Harry's imaginings that Dumbledore is in his robes on the beach? I do, yes. Otherwise, that, I, I do like think that his little, little tiny brain would explode, so. Yeah, I, it, it's like... Whenever you saw, like, a teacher when you were back in elementary school outside of school and, like, you know, civilian dress wandering around and you couldn't really fully process it, this is kind of like... When you say civilian dress, did you have, like, did you go to a military elementary school, Spencer? I think it would be funnier if I had, but no, I thought it was a fun way to refer to it. Are you but, talking about, like, Ms. Frizzle in, like, shorts and a t-shirt? That kind of thing, yes. Fair enough. Um, so we are we are in the second chapter, guys, of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, called The Scar, and we are firmly back in the well-trod territory of the early chapters of these books, in which we must, in fact, explain all of the things. In fact, not in the second chapter of Harry Potter, the fourth book of Harry Potter. We are in the uh, intro chapter of the first book of whatever it is the hell that J.K. Rowling decided to write, because... This is not a chapter in a book. This is, for all of you that haven't been paying attention to my first three books, let me tell you everything. Yes, in fact, we are in the second chapter of all of the Babysitter's Club books as well. So... (laughs) (laughs) This is so aggressively first chaptery. It's almost like, did her editor convince her to call the first chapter the first chapter and she actually really wanted to call it a prologue so that this could be the first chapter? This is doubling down on first chapter tropes for J.K. Rowling. Yeah, uh, we are. This is going to be a short episode, guys. <laughs> not much. In fact, I do believe that in, in my intro to this podcast, we have covered all new and relevant information and we well, can no. move on. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Sarah, then... For our initial segment, I take it you will be doing a bet then to shorten your time? I will. We are going to get into our segments here. We have a rapid-fire recap, uh, which has new rules, and I will be taking advantage of them uh, this time around to see see if we can get some more points on the board. Uh, BJ has some wizard wheezes, presumably, although uh, this chapter is mostly composed of stuff that he has sworn off um, complaining about, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, newbies notes with Spencer and increasingly BJ at this point. Uh, we award house points, which will probably not be a thing this time around, and then we have questions and queries, although there's no new information, so I don't know what you're going to ask me about. We have a plan. Okay. <laughs> first question, first question though, is that normally we offer you two minutes in terms of doing your recap. I don't feel that you'll need two minutes this time around. So you said you had a bet that you're going to take? Yes, I do not believe that I will need two minutes for this. I would like to bet, Spencer, mark it down in the books, one minute and 35 seconds. Ooh, that's aggressive. That may be one of the shortest ones you've ever done. Yes. (laughs) 
It also took me approximately one minute and 45 seconds to write these notes, so we will see. Well, as... Wow. Okay. Well, as said, you need to come in within either five seconds above or below that. So you got your 10-second range. You got your goal. Are you ready? So I have a quick question before you start. It's not time for that, BJ. How slowly are you going to say, go read the first three books? I was hoping we could do that in After Effects and just um, assume that it had taken a minute and 35 seconds. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I have the handy-dandy stopwatch or one of the 12 that BJ bought me. I'm ready when you are. Okay. Harry awakes with a start with his scar searing in pain. He's troubled by the remnants of a dream with a darkened room, a giant snake, Wormtail, and the high, cold voice of Voldemort. But even though Wormtail turned the chair around, Dream Harry didn't get to see what Voldemort looked like and can't figure figure out who the old man was. But he does remember that they had been plotting to kill him. He looks around the room trying to convince himself he's in the right place, and we get wizard things and Hedwig and respectable suburban privet drive, but Harry's still not entirely soothed. Because the last time his scar had hurt, it was because Voldemort was close at hand. While the idea of the Dursleys nearby is um, actually kind of comforting to him, given the deep weirdness of considering them in contact with Voldemort, he of course can't confide in them, even though Voldemort is the reason he's living with them in the first place, having killed Harry's parents and giving him the lightning bolts to scar. Maybe someone at Hogwarts would know what to do about the scar, but he's two weeks away from returning. Harry assumes that Hermione's advice would be to write to Dumbledore and check a reference book. Ron's advice would be to go to Mr. Weasley, but it's not overly clear that he would have any idea what to do. What Harry needs is a parent, or a godparent. So it's off uh, to write to Sirius, Harry's godfather in hiding, giving us an opportunity to marinate on the events of the last book. We also learn that it's the threat of Sirius that made the Dursleys allow Harry his school things over the summer, so at least that's an improvement. clear where Sirius is is at the moment, but his letters are being delivered by bright tropical birds that annoy Hedwig. Harry jots out a letter to Sirius, trying to casually mention his scar amid news of Dudley's new diet. He doesn't mention the dream, but feels a bit better as he readies his missive for for Hedwig. Good God, you were close. You almost came in under. 130 and 53 milliseconds. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You got it. All right. You got your enhanced point. Perfect. Walking the chart. So does that mean I have three points now? Is that where we are? Is that how we're doing this? You have three (laughs) points plus potential points associated with your time. Excellent. All right. So, um, BJ. So I think the the, the main weeds that I have since we have gotten away from um, grammatical and punctuation problems, uh, which persist, um, is I find it interesting and i'm going to say this is not technically punctuation or grammar what things are capitalized Mm, okay and it's sort of very interesting to me like what is sort of define like very defining for the series so the w in wizarding world is capitalized but the w in world isn't that is d dark wizard is but not the w sort of right well, which kind of makes sense, because wizard is just sort of a thing, but the D for dark is, which is just like, ooh, it's dark and scary. <laughs> um, so, like, I just find all of that, like, really funny, that, that it was just, like, random decisions were made, and I'm really curious if they're going to be kept. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing that I found very, very funny is that how different people are referred to and when and why like wormtail is wormtail which kind of like is is a very weird way to refer to 
Peter Pettigrewer scabbers. Yeah. And now that he's a human, like I always, and in reading the books, have always thought of him as Peter Pettigrew. Like I do not in my head ever call him Wormtail. Um, that this seems like a very familiar way to do it. And so like, I feel like all of the decisions in this chapter were very funny <laughs> to be made. And I sort of wonder if this chapter was like written separately from like some of the other things in, in the various books mm-hmm. and then just be like, okay, here's where it goes. I wonder, maybe this went the other way around. Maybe, maybe Rowling's publishers and editors told her, like, no, this is still a kid series. You have to have a summing up chat. Maybe she just didn't have it in there. And she was told that, like, no, in children's book series, you are still writing a children's book series. You have to do this. This is the convention that we do. Mm -hmm. And maybe she did it later. I have no idea. That's that would be interesting, though, Um, because I can't imagine that she actually likes writing these stupid chapters. Oh, or these are the fa- her favorite chapters to write, which is where I'm leaning towards. <laughs> um, because, like, there's no, there's nothing more J.K. Rowling than these chapters, as far as I'm concerned right now. <laughs> um, the the last thing that I'm sort of curious about, everybody's on this call's feelings, the, the sentence, as far as ha- Harry could see through the darkness, there wasn't a living creature in sight, not even a cat is kind of like the funniest thing ever um, in the cats really aren't living creatures by these <laughs> definitions, or it's like making nods to McGonagall. And I was sort of curious, like where you thought this uh, tended towards. Why not both? Uh, does he even know about that? Was I don't remember this. Does he know McGonagall as a cat was watching outside of his house? I don't think there's any way he could have known that because, I mean, he wasn't actually living there. And well, he was a baby. Also, this isn't Harry saying. No, it's the narrator. Not even a cat. Just sort of. This from... is the the nonsensical narrator that I'm. I'm now writing my own like internal fiction that the narrator is really Harry, just reminiscing about <laughs> when he was a jock in high school and how <laughs> awesome it was. Yes. Um, I think I think it's a nod towards given the the given that it is the narrator speaking. I think it's a nod towards McGonagall. But anything is possible in these chapters. <laughs> so is McGonagall a zombie? <laughs> oh, man, we're going down this exploration trip now. A zombie raptor? T-Rex? Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> zombie mecha T-Rex, yes. Now you understand McGonagall on a very personal level. Okay, well, with uh, that, what else do you have, BJ? Yes. I just there are a lot of other funny things that are very like a very weird like blend of the wizard and muggle thinking about things um and it's very it's maybe as you said it's very much like a you have to write this chapter to get kids to remember and understand what's going on because talking about like him falling off a broom Mm -hmm. 50 feet or meters or whatever it was and it was just like and that was up in the air because that's something that magical brooms do. And it was just like, well, how else would you fall that distance unless it was up in the air? Like, it, it just like very sort of weird, weird ways of going out about describing like where we are and what's going on. Yeah, fair enough. I wonder how many if like given the like fanfare of when these books were coming out, like I wonder the number of kids or even like you know, teenagers or adults even who like buy the fourth book 
or any any one of these books that came out when it was like really publicized who just went straight in on that one and was like well maybe i'll read mm-hmm. the other ones later yeah. i don't know i, I not that this would be a good explanation of what was going on here there there are a lot of people that do that and i just cannot fathom it no i cannot imagine just starting a series at the fourth book and having any hope of understanding even with this incredibly aggressive recap that we get in this chapter no i don't think i, I do think that either be... A really funny thing for us to do on our Mang Mang uh, Mangum Reads podcast at some point <laughs> just, is just take a book <laughs> in the middle of the series, never read anything else, and just do our best. We're gonna start at the eighth wheel of time. Let's go from there. <laughs> I mean, it would be an interesting experience. <laughs> I mean, that's better than choosing the seventh. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so those are my, my wheezings. Um, they're probably going to get weirder as we wander forth in, in these books because the entertainment of, of the, uh, English, English language has basically completely declined. And I sort of wonder if she's going to go back to any of that. Um, and the punctuation perils have persisted, but we're going to avoid those. (laughs) I'm sure you will find something else, BJ. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer and BJ, newbies notes. Well, as said, after what was very much of a change-up of an opening chapter, this is the most aggressive doubling down of a Harry Potter opening chapter one that I have ever seen. I've only had three prior ones, but this is trying to beat them all at their game. It is just checking every box we've ever had of a Harry Potter opening, and then reminding us of all the events that happened in the past three books. Mm Mm-hmm. It, we've got Dursleys, we've got letters from friends, we've got worrying about the next year, we've got looming threats, and then, just to remind you, let's do a, a multi-paragraph recap of every single injury that Harry Potter has had in the entire series, which I actually enjoyed, <laughs> just because of the final note of Harry going, <laughs> Harry almost like realizing, you know what, Hogwarts is a really dangerous kind of place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of funny that, like, there are definitely nods that the narrator has to a lot of things that happen. And it's almost like the foreshadowing in the previous chapters is completely meaningless here, which I find very funny. It's like we have some interesting foreshadowing of things that could happen. And then let's just sort of say things that, that could happen in the future by like Harry imagining what his friends are going to say. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a um, weird tone. <laughs> Yeah, it's a thing. I didn't really like that that much. Um, we do get something I do find very interesting of where I was expecting with the Harry waking up with the start, which is how the last chapter ended, that he would just have a vague pain or a vague recollection or some kind of feeling of what had happened in the prologue. No. He was in the practical room in terms of the detail he starts this chapter with as to what occurred. Mm-hmm. It's like, it is detailed to the point I'm thinking that Harry's now channeling Mina Harker from Dracula. Now they've got a new weapon to watch Voldemort with. Let's drug him and knock him out. He can see things when we need him to. I also would advise him, apparently, if this is going to be a regular thing, Harry, buy a dream journal. Keep (laughs) one next to your bed. Because you forgot some key details really fast, man. That could be a problem for the ongoing plot and the survivability of you and your friends. Because this seems like this might be a bit more murdery of a book than the one you've endured before, so details will matter, Harry. Uh, Including maybe an inaccurate read on his part, or me just reading a situation differently, of where... He watched the same things we did, and he comes to the conclusion that they are plotting to kill someone himself. 
And I thought they almost took pains to say that, no, Harry wasn't going to be the second person. There was a, another second person that they needed, and Harry had some other purpose at the end. I'll admit it was ambiguous, but Harry seems to be adopting a more self-centered focus of their murderous plots. Really? That's a surprise. Harry <laughs> self-centered? No. Um, I did find it surprisingly heartwarming that Harry's getting mail again, because of how wrenching it was for him. Was that last book or the one before where he was just getting no mail from his friends despite expecting that he would? It was the one before. It was when Dobby was stealing yeah. his mail, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was fucked up. Uh, so it was nice to see he was getting letters even if we don't find out what they were. But it rapidly transitions into a trope this series does that I find the single most annoying thing possible. And they're emphasizing it here. Of where Harry plots out what, you know, he thinks what his friends would tell him. And Hermione's first advice, sound advice that we can always count on Hermione for is... Tell an adult. Mm -hmm. Tell Dumbledore. This is accepted evidence of a problem. And Harry just goes, well, I'm obviously not doing that. He'd think I'm nuts. It's like, no, Harry, 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 Harry. Dumbledore in particular would not think you're nuts. Dumbledore doesn't think anybody's nuts. Dumbledore enjoys nuts people around him. But any adult in your life at this point would view this as credible court admissible evidence well, of a problem. Let's not go no. that far. Professors at Hogwarts, give me that much. Even Snape would write this one down, even if he'd make fun of Harry for it. So, Harry is a Voldemort Geiger counter. They know this. If Harry suffers forehead pain, it is indicative not only of eye strain, but of Voldemort. <laughs> uh, but, of course, Harry can't do that. And then I got rapidly worried as he's now going through how Ron's going to react. He goes, well, I don't, want to, you know, I don't want the Weasley family to know. I was getting very scared that, wait, Harry, you went from I'm not going to tell an adult to I'm not going to tell anybody that I had a dream of Voldemort murdering somebody? But no. He decides he's going to tell someone, a convicted felon on the lamb. Well, okay. So I know how you like to, to like drum things up, Spencer, but it's also, well, I want a parent. Oh, yes. A godparent is also kind of like a parent when your yes. parents aren't around. Let me write a letter. Yeah, he, I mean, it's an understandable impulse that he needs a parent in his lives and needs some parental figure to be able to seek guidance from here. But in terms of people that can actually do something, you know, in broader society to, you know, inform people about this concern or investigate it, Sirius Black has all the willpower and all the desire to help, but he's got remarkably fewer of the means compared to, like, say, a Dumbledore. So I understand Harry's choice. I vehemently disagree with it, but again... This book series wouldn't happen if people would just tell adults what's going on in their lives. Um, I'll save this one for questions, but is Harry suggesting, and I think he does here, is that if you send an owl with a message, it will get to the person that you've addressed it to, regardless of where they are or whether you know where they are? Yes. Is that where we're getting here? Yes. It will and find so them. And if, so if they just started randomly setting letters to... I don't know, Voldemort? <laughs> Would they arrive? Would that answer questions about where the man is? Unclear. Do the mentors not have owls? Like, <laughs> is this, we don't need this. We don't need an FBI anymore. This is the reason the ministry doesn't have an investigative arm. They just send an owl with a tracker, and they've caught a felon. <laughs> Wait, so you're just saying we could have ridden the eagles there the entire time? <laughs> Pretty much. Sarah, we'll save this one for questions to poke you with it, but this seems this okay. is interesting. This has legs. Okay. Uh, in terms of cuter things, I really enjoyed Hedwig being tribal with respect to um, strange birds getting on his turf. You mean racist? <laughs> However you want to define the term, yes. <laughs> I 
Apparently, Hedwig has an accepted zone of peers that he's willing to receive mail at his address. And these strange tropical birds with colors and features that he's never seen before do not make him comfortable at all his British stuffiness. Is there a British stuffiness. reason that I thought Hedwig was female? Isn't Hedwig female? She is, yeah. I just always say it wrong. <laughs> No worries, I just, like, I, I guess I expected that, that you had remembered and read something, and I was just like, no. I have this impression, but I I don't know why. Anyway, I have not, yes. I've not seen Hedwig many times in my life, but they've always been used to refer to a male, and so I view it as a male name. Gotcha. Um, yes, so so Hedwig has some serious uh, snowy owl pride, and doesn't like... <laughs> The the colored oh, birds God. drinking from her water fountain. Jesus. <laughs> well, this has taken a wholly different bend than I necessarily intended with this. I thought it was just kind of cute with Hedwig being trialed. Now we're getting into p- political events. Uh, one of the, this is the trope of uh, uh, J.K. Rowling's that I quite enjoy, actually. Every signature we've seen of the characters does appear to be unique. Each one does have their own signature. I think this is the first time we've seen Harry's. I don't mm-hmm. think we've had a reason to see you know Harry uh, Harry's signature previously. But it kind of it adds to a nice little list of, again, I eventually want to run this by my, you know, signature reading father to see what he can read about the characters, him having never read the series, and see what conclusions he reaches from just these signatures we get. Um, but yeah, you really emphasize the initial H and are really emphasizing the Y with almost like a dagger on the end of it. But it, it's, I, I would like to, I'm going to need to compile these at some point just to look through them all, because I have really appreciated that, realistically, signatures don't look alike. That's a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting because it's a it was a surprise to me the first time and and each subsequent time it's still been slightly surprising that the kindle has the signature mm-hmm. oh they've gone to the lengths to do that Man, yes that's a nice touch I, mean, I don't know if it's just a picture they've placed in the kindle for that particular thing but they, for every time we've had a written letter it's always been in the original font mm-hmm. interesting um, but as befitting what has otherwise been a short recap, that is all I have. I do not have much in the way of theorizing I can discuss here. I have a hell of a lot of recap, which I suppose was useful. Um, <laughs> remind me, it's a year gap, right, between these books in terms of when they were written? Or was there a longer gap between one, uh, a couple down the line? Um, it was generally a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, I can understand the perp- the usefulness of it. It is a very common thing in children's or young adult literature to have that kind of very detailed recap. I just haven't seen one like this that is, I mean, this is a, what, a 10-page chapter. How many pages would you guys think are ultimately recap in this? Like a solid four or five? Oh, I would go higher than that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would definitely go higher than that because pretty much everything... It's like a ref- uh, at least a than... reference to something that has happened before to kind of jog your memory, I think. Right, exactly. So, you know, if it isn't, isn't direct recap, it's like, and oh, by the way, don't forget that this is a thing and this is how it relates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not like obvious foreshadowing recap, too, which he's done previously in the books. No, this is like, this is getting reader up to speed recap, but pretty obviously so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it'd be really funny if uh, Kindle started including the uh, skip recap and intro buttons <laughs> <laughs> like Netflix does. Well, Sarah, you, you've kind of been pretty deprived of Hogwarts, either students or personnel this chapter. Do you have any thoughts about who wins and loses this time around? I, we literally see Harry, <laughs> Hedwig, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a brief glimpse of a tropical bird. (laughs) 
we, we get an imagination about what other characters might be saying or doing. Is that yeah. enough to rely on for them to get points? I do not believe so, no. Gotcha. So Harry's both the winner and loser of this chapter, and therefore nothing. Nothing gets awarded anyway, unless you consider that Dudley's snore is a winner loss in one category or the other. <laughs> we get a lot more of Dudley in the next chapter, just for FYI. No, I'm super excited. I said I, I was going to pick up the opposite end. I, I've already had enough of Dudley just on the image of him throwing a PlayStation out of a window in a tantrum so that he couldn't play. What was the name of the video game, actually? that was a, Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how much do you want to play, uh, like, Murder and Mayhem Chapter 3? <laughs> yeah, Mega Mutilation Part 3. <laughs> that is a statement by a person that is not fond of video games or at least wants to tropify the crap on the violent ones. <laughs> Um, so, I, yeah, Harry winner, Harry loser, poor Hedwig for dealing with fuss. <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> that's all I've got. It's, re- it's really fussy, too. It's not like, you know, the bird's gonna hang around and spend the season here. It's like, the bird wants a drink before it goes back to Dodge, and even Hedwig's like, uh-uh, you're not drinking from the same bowl as me. The colored one's over there. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well... <laughs> Uh, this is canon now. Hedwig <laughs> is racist. No way I'll pride. Questions. Okay. <laughs> well, so does Hedwig get more or less racist as the books progress? Do, do we get a Hedwig redemption arc before long? Is there a barn owl where she's like, you're, you're Hicks? Like, is... I hate all of you. <laughs> That's our objective with this segment. <laughs> Okay, here's what I do honestly have a question about. Can you provide us any more guidance with respect to how the mailing works? Is it do is there a certain degree of magic in the owls knowing the addresses? Is there an element of tapping into some kind of universal network that exists? Yeah. Very correct. I don't know. It does like it seems for the most part that owls can sort of find you. I but you know, we have others you know, we have other scenes later in other books where like people are very clearly hiding and people aren't just sending them owls to try to find them to track them down so i think that there has to be a little bit of a like does the recipient want to be found Mm -hmm. can you unsubscribe from the owl net yeah i think that's (laughs) you click a button and uh you have to go through four websites where they ask you um why you're unsatisfied with your owl delivery service uh, and then and it takes three to six weeks to, to formally stop your your owl delivery. Yeah, but then it's fine. Then then you're not on any of the other ones. So, uh, un, unclear. This is a I don't know. So I have a weird follow up um, that is more a question for J.K. Rowling than it is for you. But you're going to be the stand-in because cool, that's cool, what cool, we have. cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a post office where you have to pay for owls, mm-hmm. and then there are some people that have owls as familiars. Are they basically like uh, uh, scabs, like, like union busting, like <laughs> you know, bringing in unauthorized workers? I think it's a courier service. It's a private courier service. <laughs> gotcha. Actually, that is a fun question to follow it up with. Is that Owls seem a very useful tool for wizards to have, but are they a certain element of luxury? I mean, we're are we seeing essentially high-class wizards that can afford such a thing as an owl? I mean, we even have with the Weasleys that their owl is not as high quality as other ones might be, or at least mm-hmm. just not as fresh about the beak. Are owls a luxury, whereas most people rely on the post instead to send their letters? 
Um, I think I think that owls are certainly considered a luxury because Hogwarts has like school owls that are available for students who don't have owls. Okay. So we're getting we're again getting a bit of the upper class perspective on this coming from Harry, which is a weird statement given otherwise everything else about his background. Yes. I mean, like, I, also with the stuff that Harry has and where he's staying, I mean, it, it's a very, very weird juxtaposition that he has, like, all the latest and greatest stuff, but in a place that looks down on it and can't use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of like the, uh, you know, maybe a top, like, YouTuber or streamer or something like that, <laughs> like, hanging out at the... Uh, the cousins in western pennsylvania that that are like the richest amish of of the town or whatever (laughs) so he doesn't have any of like the normal things that he should Uh uh-huh but everything that's tucked away is like the nicest stuff sure Man, can I pay for that television show of let's send the richest streamer to go hang out with the amish for a month or two see how that goes oh my gosh wasn't that well never mind what didn't Paris Hilton do something? Oh, true. Yeah, they think she <laughs> What was the name of that show? It's been a few years. I can't remember. Oh, my God. That 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 sounds like a hilarious idea. Okay. Um, uh, I've got more of an open-ended one for everybody, but Harry kind of immediately defaults to Dumbledore, you know, just hanging out on a beach somewhere in his robes. They didn't seem like much of a Dumbledore uh, vacation to me. I can't picture Dumbledore just kind of lounging on a beach. I think he'd get bored too quick. What, what did you guys think was a more of a Dumbledore? Was that, in your minds, a Dumbledore vacation, or did you have something else in, different in mind? I actually kind of agree with that as a Dumbledore vacation. I think Dumbledore has done a lot of interesting things in the name of research and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dumbledore is 100% the, the person that goes to, like, a Greek beach and only wears a thong for a week. <laughs> Man, you're giving us visuals this time around, BJ. I don't know if I appreciate that. You know, I I was not sure about this, BJ, until you provided us with this information, and that seems actually completely right. (laughs) Fine enough. (laughs) Any further questions from you, BJ? I... Nothing happened in this chapter. Yeah, Not useful ones. Yeah. Questions. Let's, uh, we, we get into some fun chapters coming up. Our next chapter, chapter three, is um, The Invitation. Yes. And I also have questions here because at least the image that I have is a letter covered with postage. Yes. Um, is that a flatulous dream or <laughs> what it else is going on in here and do wizard stamps move um well that there that all will be explained bj i mean do wizard letters need in need postage for that matter because i don't think harry's been using any on his no wizard letters do not need postage which begs the question of why there is postage on this letter. Who would be sending yes. an invitation from the muggle world? TBD. Also, <laughs> do wizards ever send, like, Christmas cards? Oh, God. And, and, and like, family happen. pictures or something that, like, they would put up on the mantle? Because that, that seems like the weirdest thing for them to do and not to do. <laughs> Again, the, the 
picture thing, the picture thing in Harry Potter just freaks the hell out of me. So like, I'm sending a Christmas card to people where I've essentially created life that will now reside in their house. That's what I've done. I've created a pseudo not me version of me that will just permanently inhabit their home. Oh, and how terrible would like singing postcards be? Oh boy. In particular. Well, we did see like, the Howlers. Like, so, so are the Christmas cards from in the Harry Potter universe, did they just, like, continuously carol until, like, you burn them or something? <laughs> do they have any sentience when you destroy them? Oh, no, do they start screaming? Ah! <laughs> Man, Harry Potter gets dark when you really dig deep into it, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, well, this has been disturbing, guys. <laughs> this was not meant to be a disturbing chapter, but we found a way. Oh boy. All right. Well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time we come back with the invitation. I'm looking forward to it. More questions to be asked and answered. It will be a blast, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye.